Asia Pacific currents. News and labor issues from the Asia Pacific region. We strongly condemn the, the police that arrest、uh, the protesters. Saturday mornings at nine o'clock on Community Radio 3CR. Workers of the world should unite to fight this greedy capitalist. Brought to you by Australia Asia Worker Link. Good morning, and welcome to Asia Pacific Currents. This Saturday, the twenty sixth of May, it is actually、uh, Sorry Day, or the commemoration of Sorry Day. I'm Giselle Hanna, and I'm Pierre Morrow. Is it twenty years? I don't know the answer. Yeah, yes, don't know yes, the answer to that. I think it might be twenty years. So it's a special program、That's、here、exactly、on、right. Asia Pacific Currents. That's right. Special programming today. You'll hear special programming all through the morning、um, to the afternoon here on Community Radio Three CR. All of our、uh, programming will be focused on the struggles of Indigenous people, specifically in this country. And、um, and thanks to Solidarity Breakfast for the program preceding us. And that music that you heard was Bart Willoughby singing "Proud." And of course, he's got a show coming up at the Fitzroy Town Hall on the second of June. So、um, get to see it. And、um, got a feeling he's been around a long time. And、um, look, I think I know which band he was in, and, but I'll probably make I, a mistake. I love it when you <laughs> wing it with stuff you don't actually know about. It's my favourite radio that is broadcast at three CR. Welcome, welcome to Community Radio, listeners. Right, I do, ha- I do have to、um, uh, admit that. The information I know about this issue is from my partner, who's much more musical than me. But speaking of、uh, ill-informed broadcasting facts, why don't you tell us about the weather, Pierre? Excellent idea, Giselle. Time now for Pierre's weather report, according to personal feelings and observations, and definitely not based on any science. Spoken by C. Benito, and definitely not endorsed by the Bureau of Meteorology. But of course, my、uh, my my.、Um, Uh, opinions are very accurate, given that I'm a bike、um, rider, and of course I've turned off Giselle's mic, so you can't actually hear her laughing. But anyway, it's a sparkling, sunny, cold day here in Melbourne—a beautiful late、um, autumn morning. So I hope everyone gets to enjoy it. So anyway, I think you should take to poetry,、uh, Pierre. That was beautiful.、Uh, anyway, what's on the show? In the second part of the show, we're going to speak with Cara Keys, who is the National Campaigns Indigenous Campaigns Officer for the ACTU, the Australian Council of Trade Unions. We're going to be talking about some of the industrial struggles of Aboriginal people across the country, specifically in relation to CDP, the Community、um, Development Program, and also the、um, stolen wages. So that's in the second part of the show. But of course, first up, news from around the region. That's right, and.、Um, Both those issues are very long-running issues. We go to the first news item that、um, some of you probably very well about、um, aware about the Don Dale. Don Dale. It's been announced that there will be no charges laid following the Royal Commission into the Northern Territory's youth justice system. Former Don Dale detainee Dylan Voller has labelled the whole thing a waste of money. Given the findings of the Royal Commission produced over 200 recommendations, and there seems to be no consequences for the perpetrators of racial violence against young people in detention, the Royal Commission's report, released last November, found shocking and systemic failures 
over many years in the youth prison system that were ignored at the highest levels of government. At the time, the commissioners said they had referred a number of matters to police, including potential criminal conduct by youth justice officers, the harassment or threatening of witnesses or potential witnesses, and the physical, sexual and neglectful abuse of children in out-of-home residential care setting. And of course, no charges, which um, I'm afraid to say, this is what often happens of royal commissions. They're great to ventilate issues, but then whatever happens to them. And I think uh, certainly the the left and activists in, in general have to understand that just because you have a royal commission doesn't mean anything will change. Well, that's right. And what, one of the patterns we're going to see across the news stories that we're covering this morning is that any action over any of the supposed recommendations for any of these inquiries only came about because of the ongoing struggle of Aboriginal people and their allies. Um, so speaking of one such example, Palm Island... Um, hundreds of residents in the impoverished Aboriginal community of Palm Island will share in $30 million of compensation over the brutal police response to the riot that followed the death of Cameron Mulringi Dumaji in custody in 2004. In one of the largest payouts of its kind, the Queensland government confirmed it had reached a settlement with more than 440 Palm Islanders in a class action that will also include a formal apology. So this follows a damning 2016 federal court ruling that Queensland police had seriously breached the Racial Discrimination Act with a biased probe into the death in custody of Dumaji and then in its response to the riot that followed. So in those riots, people will remember, the police station and courthouse were razed um, to the ground and officers fled the island, um, fearing for their lives. The claimants on Palm Island off the coast of Townsville will receive differing payouts um, over their treatment, with some expected to to be paid hundreds of thousands of dollars after their children were taken into custody in dawn raids by armed police. So just to remind people, Dumaji was 36 when he died in custody on the 19th of November in 2004. He had sustained, um, well, life-threatening and fatal injuries following a scuffle with Senior Sergeant Chris Hurley um, on the steps of the watch house after he was arrested for, for public drunkenness. Um, of course, after a botched police investigation, Sergeant Hurley was found by a coroner to have caused the death, but he was acquitted of those criminal charges. The riot started soon after the results of the autopsy were read out um, in a town square in Palm Island. And people will remember that Comrade Lex Watton served two years in prison for supposedly instigating the riots that followed. There has been a sustained campaign in defence of Lex Watton and, of course, for compensation. That is the the reason why um, such a landmark victory. Did Lex Watton get pardoned in the end or...? or I don't know the answer to that. Yeah, yeah. But, and, um, and look, and the most incredible thing about of that story is that straight after the um, announcement of the compensation of the $30 million, one of the main broadcasters in Australia... Uh, I certainly didn't watch the story, actually did a program with one of the police officers and saying how terrible it was for them and actually went out and said that um, they are still waiting an apology from the Aboriginal. Given that there's been court case after court and they've been found guilty 
of harassment, um, racism, violence, etc. I think it's um, it's fascinating, stunning, and um, and terrible, really. But um, well done to all the Palmano community and all the supporters. We now come back to Victoria, where Victoria Labor will debate a resolution of shifting the date of Australia Day to the 9th of May in a precursor to a conversation expected at a party's national conference in July, which, of course, is now being proposed to move because of the Super Saturday by-election issue. Party sources have confirmed there is discussion behind the scenes about drafting an Australian Day motion for the ALP National Conference on the basis that the 26th of January is, as the Victorian Resolution notes, offensive to Indigenous people. It says the State Conference notes that the 9th of May could be an alternative date of national celebration as 9th of May 1901 marks the date of the first meeting of the Commonwealth Parliament, the day upon which Australia became a self-governing and independent Commonwealth. Bill Shorten, the leader of the ALP, has empathised with the concerns of Indigenous people but has made it clear he does not support changing the date. The Victorian Conference will also debate an urgency motion calling for an end to offshore immigration detention. Of course, this discussion within ALP highlights the limitation of social democracy because, of course, the 26th of January is not in, insulting to Indigenous people, as I understand it, but rather genocide itself and the ongoing racialized policing of Aboriginal people, deaths in custody, appalling health care and housing conditions, and the list goes on. That's right, even changing the date won't actually um, uh, change any of those issues. And speaking about the um, ongoing racialised policing, I mean, on the one hand, Daniel Andrews is leading the Labor government or the uh, Victorian Labor Party in having this debate about the um, change uh, of Australia Day, when at the very same time he's announced new mandatory sentencing laws for those that have been found guilty of assaulting emergency services workers, including police. The announcement comes only a few weeks after systemic abuse of the mentally ill at the hands of police was revealed. Keep in mind, it's already an offence to assault emergency services workers. What's being altered is the number of mitigating factors that might alter sentencing in these matters. For instance... It might still result, so previously it would still result in a penalty, just not a jail sentence, if you assaulted an ambulance worker. And some of those factors include having been substance affected or alcohol affected or experiencing psychosis at the time. These factors are uh, being pitted to be removed from the defences against um, uh, assault against emergency services workers. Generally speaking, those that assault emergency services workers are those that are mentally unwell, impoverished, drugs and other substance affected. In other words, people who are already vulnerable and likely to be criminalised for that vulnerability. No doubt these laws, like all mandatory sentencing laws, will disproportionately impact people of colour, particularly Aboriginal people. Mandatory sentencing laws didn't work in the Northern Territory, didn't work in WA and they won't work here. And, and look, Giselle, the really, really sad um, thing about these, uh, the, that news item was that having um, had a, a bit of discussion on, on social media is the number of fellow unionists who actually take a health and safety approach. And I have to say, listen, I'm actually a health and safety delegate at work um, and actually believe that's a good point and will actually deter assaults. Um, 
that actually think that this mandatory detention um, will actually deter assaults. So just to clarify, it's not an opinion you share, right, Pierre? Uh, no, no, that's, uh, that's um, what they've said. So I think, yeah. Um, well, I'll just go next to the next uh, next point. Um, we go to um, W action over Aboriginal deaths in custody. After years of pressure and campaigning, Western Australia is finally getting a custody notification service to help prevent Indigenous deaths in custody in police custody. Under the new system, which will be put up and running before the end of the year, WA police will be required to call a 24-hour legal hotline whenever they arrest an Indigenous person. That hotline will be staffed by solicitors who will perform a welfare check and provide free legal advice to the person in custody. A mandatory custody notification service was one of the recommendations of the inquest into the 2014 death of Miss Du, a 22-year-old Indigenous woman who died while being held in police custody over unpaid fines. She died after police ignored her, saying she was feeling unwell, assuming she was faking it. Her grandmother has said she believes a custody notification service would have saved Miss Dool's life. And again, a very simple um, um, process to implement, but has taken years of struggle to get there. Absolutely. So um, that that was the second story in our cluster of stories about how recommendations on their own don't mean anything. It requires the struggle. Our final story is actually an announcement. It is NAIDOC Week 2018, which celebrates the invaluable contributions that Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander women have made and continue to make to their communities and families. Under the theme, Because of Her We Can, NAIDOC Week 2018 will be held nationally from Sunday 8th of July and continue through to Sunday 15th of July. Aboriginal women have borne the brunt of genocidal oppression in Australia. They had and continue to have their children stolen, continue to watch as their children are incarcerated and are themselves the most overrepresented population in Australian prisons. Listen out for NAIDOC Week events and activities this coming July. That would be um, great to, um, to, um, to, to, to listen and to all the activities that especially happen here on 3CR Radio. It's just on quarter past nine o'clock. You're listening to Asia Pacific Currents on your favourite uh, community radio station, 3CR Radio. We'll go to a couple of community announcements and then we'll be back with our main in- interview. you got to remember, Nainok's a special day for us, fellas. That's a reminder who we are. Every year for NAIDOC Week, 3CR Community Radio gives voice to our Indigenous brothers and sisters through Beyond the Bars, Australia's only live prison broadcast. I am a black, black man. NAIDOC means a lot to me. It's about identity and also about past and present. NAIDOC means a lot to me for my family and my people. And the people forgetting about our rights. You can access audio from current and past Beyond the Bars broadcasts via the 3CR website. Go to 3cr.org.au forward slash beyond the bars and either listen to or download audio from Australia's only live prison broadcast. Happy NAIDOC! Love our 3CR Radical Radio T-shirts, and so do we. They're a bargain at twenty dollars for adults and fifteen dollars for kids. 
and come in black, white, gray, and a cool light blue. To nab one of these beauties, drop into the station at 21 Smith Street or order by phoning 94198377. Or you can visit us online at 3cr.org.au forward slash shop. Come on, you know you want one. It is 17 minutes past nine o'clock here on Community Radio 3CR. You're listening to Asia Pacific Currents. Of course, today is Sorry Day. And in 2008, of course, we heard um, the Prime Minister of Australia at the time make a national apology to Aboriginal people. But the struggle for justice continues. Today on the show, we're speaking with Cara Keys, who's the National Indigenous Officer of the ACTU. Welcome, Cara. Thanks, Regina Del. Hi, good morning. So there are the recently the ACTU has started a couple of campaigns to firstly recognise the unique industrial struggles of Aboriginal people, but also to acknowledge that without engaging with Aboriginal issues, the union movement is bereft of politics. So um let's talk about a couple of those campaigns. One of them is for workers on CDP. Absolutely. Um, excuse me. <clears throat> yeah, we started a campaign on the community development program in response to the absolute archaic nature of this program. Uh, it was introduced by the current Turnbull government um, in tw- 2015, the 1st of July. Um, and I've got to say, uh, in all my experience working in the trade union movement and with uh, my brothers and sisters in the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander community, it's probably the worst of its kind that I've seen, um, basically forcing people into labour. There's 33,000 people in this program. About 85% of those are Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander, and it, it forces people basically into indentured labour with none of the employment standards that we would expect um, doing work anywhere else in the country. In addition to that campaign itself, you've um, aggregated a group of Aboriginal workers under the First Nations um, Workers' Alliance, I think that's what it's called. Tell me about how that group operates. Um, So the First Nation Workers' um, Alliance is our collective response to the Community Development Program. Uh, The program itself basically excludes these workers from being under the Fair Work Act, so they have no employment rights, they're not considered employees. Um, they have no. Um, they're specifically excluded from the Superannuation Act. They're specifically excluded from the Workers' Compensation Act federally, and they're specifically excluded from the federal occupational health and safety legislation. Even though they are doing work, um, the government's own submission to a Senate inquiry said that they were doing work such as um, aged care, childcare, hospitality, construction, administration. So these are, these are jobs that, if you do them anywhere else in the country, um, you would expect basic, at least the minimum employment standards. And because these workers are excluded from the Fair Work legislation, they're not considered employees. From a union perspective, they didn't have a union that they could join. And they really wanted to collectivise. These workers wanted to collectivise to see the end of this program. So the Australian Trade Union Movement and the um, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander committee of the ACTU responded to that call and we set up the First Nation Workers Alliance. It is a union 
primarily for CDP workers so they can have a collective voice in the struggle and the campaign against this program. Um, but it's also a way that uh, other union members, um, both Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander and non-Indigenous supporters, can join the campaign and show their support for CDP workers. A couple of uh, questions about uh, CDP. Cara, do they get holidays and sick leave? No, no. None of those basic minimum employment standards that you would expect to get as a worker in Australia um, apply to these workers. And and again, given that they're, they're workers but not workers, um, usually workers organise and we improve our... Uh, our conditions via industrial action at, at some at some level. We organise and we take action, whether it's uh, go slow, whether it's um, it's putting bans up to up to taking indefinite strikes. Um, is there is there plans to to take up industrial action at some point to improve their rights? Um, look, that's not a conversation we're having with community at the moment because at the, mo- at the moment communities are organising themselves around the First Nation Workers Alliance. And with industrial campaigns, there are always escalations. There are always escalation points. And the right to withdraw your labour is ultimately the you know, strongest form of action you can take. But on the scale of campaigning, there are always different points of action. So, for example... Um, last year, a collective of CDP workers went into Parliament to talk to politicians about the situation that's, that, that's happening. Here's the thing about this program. It's remote, and there is the tyranny of remoteness. So a lot of the time, people don't know that this is happening in their own country, and politicians don't actually understand um, what the effect of this program is. In fact, what we found with the CDP workers having those conversations is that a lot of politicians didn't really understand the extent of the program. So in terms of campaign escalations and campaign, um, you know, moments and points and generating traction, um, you know, a sort of indefinite strike is certainly not in the minds of the members of the First Nation Workers Alliance at the moment um, because they're sort of using other campaign levers to get the momentum behind the campaign to get change. I I mean, it's obviously one of the most critical parts of the campaign is to get the information out there. But we do know through um, generations past, through history, that the, um, the capitalists aren't going to give up their profits willingly. It needs to come from a battle. Um, it reminds me very much of the uh, of another struggle that primarily came out of Queensland but uh, has been generalised across the country which relates to stolen wages. I mean, this isn't the first time we have seen the, the literal theft of wages of Aboriginal people. So the CDP is just a new manifestation of how not to pay Aboriginal people what their labour is worth. What... Um, what kind of work is being done in the stolen wages space at the moment? Um, so, yeah, look, I think the stolen wages is a really good example. I think, you know, there's lots of really great industrial examples that sort of hark back to the bad old days. You know, a lot of um, a lot of CDP workers that we speak to say, you know, this is just like old man Lingiari, you know, when workers weren't getting paid for their labour as well. Um in Queensland, the reparations scheme is ongoing. My understanding is that there is work on stolen wages going across the country in different forms. Um, there's momentum building in Victoria around stolen wages. 
Um, and in South Australia, I'm pretty sure that they had um, uh, their reparation scheme under the last uh, Labor government. And just a very general question, given that um, we're just looking at a bit of a historical viewpoint. Do you think, um, and you're working at ACTU, do you think there's a general um, understanding within the broader Australian working class of the historical, systemic, long-running and huge theft of, of wages that Aboriginal people have had to endure in, in Australia. And, and while the common theme is that Australia was built on the back of the sheep, but it was actually built on the back of free labour and stolen wages of uh, Indigenous people. Um, look, I, I, I don't think I'd be comfortable speaking to um, you know the broader union movement. Uh, we've got 1.8 million members, and I certainly wouldn't want to speak to you know the the knowledge of of, of that entire um, that entire membership. But I do know that um, the leadership of the the union movement, um, all of the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander union members and officials that work in the union movement, work really hard to make sure that union members across the across the country and the broader workforce understand our history. And that's certainly um, something that I've worked to achieve while I've been at the Australian Council of Trade Unions. Um, our, I'm, I'm actually a, a, a campaign director now and our new Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander officer, Lara Watson, works really hard to achieve that. And it's in, we, we actually, you know, um, feel quite proud of that history. It's a, it's a shared history between Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander um, workers and communities in the trade union movement that we have in some of the largest industrial and civil disputes which has come from Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander workers have stood shoulder to shoulder with those workers and, and we feel that, we, you know, um, from that historical perspective, we stand on the shoulders of giants and we're very proud of that history and we're very proud, I know, um, you know, as an Aboriginal trade unionist and, and other Aboriginal trade unionists that I work with, um, we feel a, a great sense of, of duty but also pride in carrying the baton forward into the disputes and struggles that we have today. And just in the closing minutes of the show, Cara, what's next for um, the industrial struggle of Aboriginal people? Well, we've got to get rid of this CDP. That's, that's, that's the big ticket issue at the moment, we cannot have a workforce of, you know, 31,000 Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander workers that are basically in indentured labour and not enjoying the industrial rights that other Australian workers have. So going forward, that is the main game for us. We have to see the end of this program. We are working really hard to make sure that all parties in the Australian Parliament understand that you cannot be in 2018 and have exploitative labour programs that are basically sponsored by the federal government. Cara, thank you so much for your time on the program today. Thanks for having me. That was Cara Keyes. She is the National Indigenous um, Campaigns Director of the ACTU, speaking about the industrial struggle of Aboriginal people. Today, of course, is the 26th of May. It is National Sorry Day, and this is special programming here on Community Radio 3CR. This is Asia Pacific Currents. 3CR needs you. Fight for your mic and donate to 3CR's annual Radiothon. 3CR Radiothon 2018. Fight for your mic. Radiothon starts June 4th.
Well, that does bring us to the end of the program here on Asia Pacific Currents this Saturday. Um, thanks for tuning in. Thanks to our special guests. Any events that we need to announce? I feel like there's something we need to say. Um, I'm not too sure if there's any. Um... Very good. Let's leave it out. <laughs> Nothing happening this weekend, comrades. This is your rest and recreation weekend to start next week ready for battle. See how I've been, um, silenced every week, week in, week out by these young grasshoppers. Yes, yes. But, yes, um, you are. That's right. Thank you for that, Giselle. Anyway, it is, uh, we're actually on time, so we'll leave uh, on time. You'll be listening to Asia Pacific Currents brought to you by Australia Asia Worker Links. Every Every week at 9am here on 3CR Radio. My name is Pierre Morrow. I'm Giselle Hanna. And we'll be back next week. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.